Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, and you'll also want to keep your finger in Mark chapter 10. We'll be going there too. Kind of a funny story how I found out I was teaching tonight. I was in Sam's Club on Sunday, I think it was, shopping with my wife, and one of the folks in our small group said, oh, hey, you're teaching on Wednesday. And I'm like, no, I'm not. What are you talking about? She says, well, it's right here in the bulletin, and she, like, texted us a screenshot of the bulletin. I still didn't believe her. Like, no, no, it must be a mistake, and then come to find out, yeah, you are teaching. So it was a blessing to find out on Sunday instead of today when I came to work. So, yeah. So let's pray together. Uh, Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the guidance that you give us, Lord. We can, in any situation that we find ourselves, we can see that you're there on the path with us is our guide, is our comforter, is our healer, uh, is our encourager. And so I pray tonight as we look to your word that you would come and meet us where we are and speak to our minds and our hearts. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So tonight what I want to share with you, what God's really put upon my heart, I was kind of wondering this week, you know, I was talking with my wife too, like, hey, what, you know, what do you think I should, should talk about? And, um, you know, so she shared some things with me and it's like, man, that sounds good. And I, I opened up my Bible later that night and I was in Proverbs 3 and I came across verse 5, that verse that you're probably so familiar with and it just kind of hit me between the eyes and it's like, that's what I'm teaching on, right? And so tonight, we're going to talk about what does it mean to seek God in everything that we do? What does that look like? We're going to be looking at the benefits of seeking God. You know, how do we seek God? What does it mean to give our all to him, to give him our heart? What does it mean to identify the idols that we have in our lives and to get rid of those? How do we look for his will? How do we understand what it is? And finally, what does it mean to fear God above, above anything else? And so we're going to kind of start this uh, journey here through the word in Proverbs 3, 5. And it reads, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be flesh, excuse me, it will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. And you'll notice if you've, if you've read the Psalms, or excuse me, in Proverbs, that there'll be a blessing that God wants to give to us, but there's a prerequisite that comes before that. It will say, hey, if you do this, then God's going to come and do this for you. And in this verse, the two blessings that I want to start with to point out are in verses, the second half of verse 6 and in verse 8. So the second half of verse 6 reads, And he shall direct your paths. Isn't it awesome that we have access to a God that we can go to at any time? And one of the promises that he gives to us is, I want to give you direction in your life. I want to, I want to direct your paths. It kind of made me think, if I could really go up to Jesus in the flesh and ask him any question, what would I ask him? Because He's there to provide answers for me. Uh, in fact, as I was thinking about this, I don't really post a lot on Facebook, but I threw that out on my page and I threw it on the RM Calvary page. 
hey, if you saw Jesus flesh to flesh, what would you ask him? And there were all sorts of uh, people asking just a variety of different questions. But it's so neat that we can go to God and ask him these things. And he says, I'm going to give you direction wherever you are on whatever path you're on. I'm going to help you. That's one of the um, blessings that we see in this. And then in verse 8, it says, it will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. God doesn't necessarily provide us good physical health if we're obedient to him. You know, it's pretty obvious as we look around. We know some, pretty, some people that are in some pretty difficult health circumstances, but man, do they follow God? Look at Job. I mean, Job was an example of that. You know, so what does it mean when we see that he's going to bring health to our flesh and strength to our bones? Well, what it means is, think of, think of a time when you're just, uh, you're, you're in really good relationship with someone. Maybe it's your spouse or it's a good friend. You know, you guys are getting along really well. There's nothing that you've done to be disrespectful towards them or to violate that friendship in any way. And you feel that closeness. There's no shame in that relationship. There's nothing to hide from. And God is saying, hey, if you're obedient to me, if you give me everything that you have, if you don't trust in your own wisdom and turn from evil, we're going to have this relationship where it's healthy. You're going to have, you're going to have my strength to rely on and not your own strength. There's going to be a sense of revitalization, the sense of refreshment that comes about when you're in good relationship with the Lord. And he's talking about this. And so uh, when I follow God, I can rely on his strength and not my own. You know, one of the things that I like to do uh, when, I, when I get time or when I make time, really, is I like to go to the gym, whether it's across the street or the one that's by our house. And if it's the one by our house, uh, my kids are getting to, where an age, to an age to where every now and then they'll say, hey, Dad, can I go to the gym with you? Well, I remember the first time I would, would taking them to the gym, you, they kind of walk in and it's like there's all this equipment, you know, all of these weights. And they're kind of wondering, you know, where do we start? What exercises do we do first? And when they go there and, and I'm with them, they kind of have a choice to make. Am I going to try to tackle this stuff on my own or am I going to? You know, ask dad questions or listen, listen to him and have him uh, provide me uh, some guidance here. And so if they listen to me, I say, hey, this machine does this. It works this body part. You know, this is how this is the form that you use, the technique that you use. Um, I'm also there to spot them, right? Um, I'm there, you know, if, if we're doing like free weights on the bench or something, I'm there to grab that bar and to pull it up if they need help. And so if they're willing to listen to me, they have my strength to help them. But if they want to do it on their own, it's like, I'll let you go on your own. I mean, don't hurt yourself, but you're doing it in your own strength. You're going to do it according to your own wisdom. And the likelihood of them kind of maybe getting hurt or doing something wrong, uh, the chances of that just really went up. And in the same way, God is saying, hey, if you follow me and do things my way, you've got my strength to depend upon. You don't have to do it in your own strength. Now, these are some very, I find these to be very attractive promises. God's going to give me his strength. God's going to give me guidance on whatever, whatever, whatever path I find myself on. But it's important to understand that there's prerequisites to these blessings, to these promises. Let's look back at verse 5. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. Then he'll give us direction in our paths. 
In verse 7, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. So this is what God is telling us to receive my blessings. These are the things that I require of you, not to just give us something on a to-do list to do, but it's something that's necessary in order for us to be in close relationship with him so we can put ourselves in a position to be helped. Again, just like my kids go into the gym, it's like if you want to put yourself in a position underneath me as, as I'm here to spot you to do the weights, hey, I'm here for you. I'm not going to make you do it. I'm not just giving you a rule to make going to the gym not fun. I mean, they appreciate when I'm there to give them guidance for them to provide my help. And this is what God wants for us. For us. He says, I want the fullest relationship that I can have with you. And if you want that full relationship then this is what I require of you. And so we do these things and we reap those blessings. So the next question I was kind of asking myself is, you know, as I'm going through this is, okay, God says that I need to trust him with all of my heart, seek him with all of my heart. So how do we seek God? Well, the first thing we need to do is we need to give him our heart. He says, trust in me with all of your heart. Well, what does that look like? I'm, I start to kind of ask myself that uh, another question, which is, do I really seek God in everything that I do? And I, I, I came up with a couple of answers. One is, no, I don't. I know that there are times that I am deliberately disobedient to God, and I'm in sin. Those are the things I know that I can work on. Now, there's other, another question I ask myself is, I wonder if I'm unknowingly disobedient to God. That's kind of a weird question. It's like, well, if you don't know you're disobedient, are you really being disobedient? I mean, the answer is really yes. If I'm driving down the street somewhere and I'm in violation of the speed limit unknowingly, am I still held accountable for that? Has anybody ever talked themselves out of a ticket? Well, don't raise your hand, but, you know, we try to find ways. Well, sir, I didn't know that, you know, officer, this was, you know, going on here, but... We're still accountable for what we don't know. And I ask myself, is there something that I don't know about what you want for me? And Lord, I want to find those things out for my life, right? So, so how do you kind of know what you don't know? That's kind of a hard, weird question to ask yourself. How do you know what you don't know? Well, first of all, you have to admit, I don't know what I'm doing here, right? We went to get our camper worked on this last week. And the technician, great guy, man, he came out, and I had some questions for him. He answered those questions, and he kind of brought this voltage meter thing, and he's testing out the adapter on the back of my truck to see if the battery on the trailer is getting charged. And he's like, hey, you've got no, you know, no, no voltage, no, ele- no electrical currents going through here. I'm like, okay. And then he opens up the hood on the truck, and it's like, now I'm in a realm of ignorance. I do not know. I know how to change the oil. I know how to do brakes, stuff like that. But he opens up that hood, and it's like, I hope this guy knows what he's doing because I don't even know what I don't know uh, when it comes to trying to fix this. And so the question that he started with was, do you have the manual for your truck? And I did. I got it out. I gave it to him. He started to look through it. And it's like, what a genius. This guy actually is like reading the manual for something, right? As guys, we don't really like to admit that we don't know. We don't like to read the instructions. Two hours later, we're finding ourselves doing something. It should have taken us like 15 minutes to do if we had read the manual. But he kind of starts out with that. And it's like, man, that's a great place to start, isn't it? Isn't it a great place to start with the manual of life? 
to kind of figure out what it is that we don't know. So we kind of have to start in this place of, I want to know what God's word says. And not only that, but I want to practice it, even though it's difficult. You know, when I talked about taking my kids to the gym, I was just asking one of them the other day, are you sore? (laughs) Right? I'm kind of hoping he'll say, yeah, you know, because then I can kind of like poke him in his chest right here and like, hey, does that hurt? Right? But it's like, I don't want to make my kids sore. I don't want them to be in pain. But I also want to challenge them to the point where there is a little bit of soreness because your muscles need to grow. In order for them to grow, they have to get sore a little bit. They kind of have to break down and rebuild themselves. You know, sometimes we, when we start to kind of go and follow God and we come into this place of like, God, I don't even know. And then I start to read your word and I find myself in this difficult situation. It's like, guys, he's trying to grow you. He's not trying to, you know, sweep your legs out from underneath you or take you out. He's like, I'm going to challenge you and help you to grow. And you're going to be like spiritually sore or emotionally sore. There's going to be some discomfort that you have to work through, but that's for your good. And if we can stick with it and learn these new things that he's teaching us, start to change our lives in this way, experience these new things, deal with the difficulties that come, and then we start to grow from it. Now I have a closeness with God where I can start to understand what it was before that I didn't know that now I do know. And now I can say, yes, God, I'm going to follow you in this way because I know what you want for my life. Now, that's a difficult place to kind of be, to be with God and for him to put you in some of these challenging circumstances. Are are you willing to go to God and ask him the question, these hard questions, Lord, where is it that I need to grow? You know, sometimes it's easy to ask God that because, you know, it's just between the two of you. Nobody can maybe kind of hear what you're saying. But in a sense, it's difficult because, you know, sometimes the bad things start to happen. It's like, oh, you must have been praying for patience, right? Because all of these difficult things uh, are happening. In fact, I thought it would be funny You know how we have like these Christian t-shirts and stuff? It's like, maybe we can make this Christian uh, baby t-shirt that says like, you prayed for patience, like I'm the answer to your prayers, you know? Like I'm going to challenge you, right? But God wants us to kind of grow in that area, and are we willing to ask that difficult question? Now imagine somebody in your life that maybe it's, it's, uh, it's difficult to be vulnerable in front of and, and really open. Um, you might have a really close relationship with your spouse um, or a really good relationship with a friend, but even if you do, it's still hard to ask a question. Like if I were to go up to my wife and say, you know, where, where do you find me? Where, where are some of my weaknesses as a husband or as a dad? You know, that's a really difficult question to ask. I'm hoping that she doesn't have an answer for me. I mean, or the answer is like, man, you're doing great, you know. But it's almost like I asked that question and I wince, you know. Or maybe you're uh, in front of your boss and you have a one-on-one meeting with him or her or performance evaluation and you ask the question, is there anywhere that I can, like, grow? Is there any weakness that you see in me and my, in my job and my responsibilities? I mean, I think I asked my boss th- that question one time And I was just kind of like on the inside, like having my eyes closed, like, man, I hope he doesn't say anything that's difficult for me to hear. In fact, I don't even remember what he said. I think I blacked out for a while because it was so traumatic, right? But 
as difficult as it is in those circumstances to ask someone that difficult question, are you willing to go to God and ask him that question? Because it's in those moments when you have an openness that he can really come into your life and answer those questions and help you through those things. So are you willing to be open with God? Now, if you're willing to be open with God, I've got some great news for you. He's going he's gonna to come and meet you where you are. He's going to answer those questions for you. He's going to give you that guidance. And then you're going to start to go on a journey that might be really exciting and at the same time a little bit scary. Okay? Because God knows what's perfect for you in your life. And he wants to take you through those, those new chapters in your life. Okay? Recently, we went to Mexico with some of the Light Shine sponsors and went to Soledad, went to Chihuahua City, went to the Copper Canyon. And one of the things we were able to do on that trip was there was a zip line course across the canyon that we got to go on, right? And um, I think our team overall was pretty excited. I think there were some of us that were a little scared. What really had me concerned was I'm, we're, we're going up as a team and we're being told in Spanish the instructions for going across the zip line. I don't understand Spanish, okay? Like I can ask, where's the bathroom? And that's about it, okay? And so the, the person is giving the instructions and I'm listening to the interpreter and I'm like, Lord, please let this person be interpreting correctly because my life depends upon these instructions, right? And so this is kind of what's going on and we were able to kind of get on this Zip line and go across it, and I want you guys to see a little video of that. Okay, so that's the Copper Canyon in Mexico, four times bigger than the Grand Canyon in the United States. It's big, okay? There were seven of those zip lines that we went across. Now, I could hear audibly some of you saying, like, like I, I think it was excitement, or maybe it was fear. I'm not really sure. But some of you were looking at that and thinking, that looks awesome. I want to do that, right? And by the way, it's only 30 bucks U.S. to, like, do these seven lines. It was awesome. Was it safe? No, but it was cheap, right? So, <laughs> no, it was safe. I'm here. But some of you are looking at that and thinking, I would love to do that. That looks awesome. And there's others of you that are like, I would never do that. That is crazy. I wouldn't even pay, you know, no one could, someone couldn't pay me $3 million to go do that. There's no way, right? And some of you might be somewhere in the middle, like you're excited. I was somewhere... I was really excited, but then I was going to bed the night before thinking, what am I doing, right? But when we open ourselves to what God wants and we ask him those hard questions, he's going to start to show us what he wants us to do in our life. And at times, it's going to blow your mind. It's going to be like, I couldn't even have thought of something this awesome that he's going to put me through. And you're going to enjoy the ride. The first three zip lines, I was a little scared because I was trying to figure out how to balance my body and stuff. And after that, it's like, bring it on. This is awesome, right? And I really think, I, I wanted to show you that video because I really think it parallels a lot 
of what God wants to do with some of us. We put ourselves in that difficult situation thinking it's going to be the most awesome thing. And then you start to do, and it's like, I don't know about this. We start to have second thoughts. And then we start to do it, and we see how God takes us through it. And then we say, that was awesome. That was awesome. I'm ready for the next time, right? And so ask God those hard questions so he can do that with you. That's the good news. The bad news is, if you're not, being, if you're not willing to open yourself to God, there is nothing that anyone can do. God himself cannot make you make a choice for him. And you kind of have to let the consequences kind of be the rod upon your back, so to speak. Like you have to let your consequences beat you down to a place where it's like, okay, God, I want to go your way. So let's look at the next way of how we seek God in our life. And that is we need to look for idols. We need to look for the things in our life that we put before God. I want you to turn a few pages to the left to Psalm 139, verse 23. Psalm 139, verse 23. We're going to look at two verses here. And we're going to see David opening himself up to God and just opening himself up so God could do a really neat work in his life. So Psalm 139, 23 through 24, he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. So the first thing that we see David say here is, search me, O God, and know my heart. Now, does God already know what's in David's heart? Yes. So why is it that he says, God, I want you to search it? Is it because he thinks God's ignorant and he doesn't know? What's the difference between somebody knowing something and then you coming in and giving that person permission into your life? Okay, what's the difference there? The difference is that there's a sense of humility on David's part and an openness and a willingness to say, God, I want you to come in and I give you permission to examine me. Okay? When you, do, when you have that sense of openness... God can start to do things that he couldn't otherwise do. Not because he's not capable, but because you're not willing. Because I'm not willing. The next he says, in the next line it says, Try me and know my anxieties. That line scares me. There's a lot packed in those few words. Try me and know my anxieties. Try me meaning put me through a trial. Right? I mean, can you imagine going up to God and saying, like, hey, God, just bring it on. Give me the best you got. Not in the sense of I'm going to battle him, but in the sense of I need a trial to come into my life for a couple of reasons. Number one, to help me understand what I know about myself, but more importantly, to find out what I don't know about myself. I don't know about you guys, but when I was in school and I took a test, I didn't immediately look through all the answers I got right. (laughs) I'm focused on what did I miss because I need to know what my mistakes were and how to correct them. God brings us into a trial. David's asking to be brought into a trial so he can understand about himself what it is that he needs to work on in his life. Not only does he say, put put me in a trial, test me, 
But he says, and know my anxious thoughts, and know my anxieties. He is saying, put me in a trial, put me in a test to the degree to which I get freaked out. I'm freaking out. Those times that you're like laying in bed and you're not able to sleep because you've got worry on your mind and on your heart. Okay, that's what I'm talking about. The things that you can't blow off and dismiss. The things that you have to find a resolution to in your life or things aren't going to keep working. That's what David's asking for. I mean, can you imagine praying that prayer to God? Put me through a trial and get me freaked out. So I can go through a process of self-awareness of what is wicked in me. The next line he says, to see what is wicked within me. When we get to a place in our life where our trial is so severe that we can't sleep, maybe some relationships in our life are broken, maybe we lose something that's important to us, like these heavy-duty things, because we've brought it about ourselves, God is saying, do I have your attention? I'm not doing this to give you a hard time, Matt. I'm doing this because you weren't aware of something in your life that was wicked, or maybe you were, but you didn't realize the degree to which you were caught up in it. And so I'm putting you in a place where all you have is me. So do you want me or do you want to go your own way? But this thing in you, it's not good. It's wicked. It's an idol. It's keeping us from being like this. And I bring it to your attention because I care about you and I love you. But then David understands in the very last verse, and lead me in the everlasting way, or lead me in the way everlasting. David knows there's a hope. He says, put me through the ringer so I can know what's wicked in me. And then God, I know that you're going to be there to help me through it. I know you are. There's the hope in that verse. I mean, if, that's, if that last line wasn't there, it's like, I'm not praying that prayer. <laughs> I put myself in a place of hopelessness with no way of redemption. But David knew he was going to be there for him. And it brings God good pleasure. And it brings God joy to be able to help you. Don't you love it? Those of you that are parents, when your children come up to you, and say, Father, I've just finished cleaning my room. Can you come and inspect it now? See if there's anything that I missed, right? And I go in, it's like, well, you still haven't gotten the smell. That's for sure. But isn't it a blessing when, when our children maybe come up to us and they have an openness? And it's like, oh, this is so beautiful. We can have this relationship because they've opened their heart to me. Right? Any relationship that has that open heart is just a beautiful thing. So I want to I kind of read something to you because I'm afraid if I don't read it, I'm going to kind of miss something here. But I really want you guys to, to get this here. Because God loves us enough to put conflict and difficulties in our life whether we really pray for them or not. Because on the one hand, we could have an openness like David and pray for those things. And on the other hand, we're just in a sinful, fallen world with selfish people, and conflict's going to come our way whether we like it or not. Okay? How do you know what idols are in your heart? 
Some of you are aware of what those are. I'm aware of some of what mine are. Others, I don't know yet. Well, here's how to find out. When we want something but can't get it, our unmet desire can work deeper and deeper into our hearts. Our desire becomes a demand, something we sin to obtain, or sin if we cannot obtain it. Our hearts can then become controlled by our craving, ruled by something we depend on for comfort. Have you come to rely on something that when you don't get it, that you start to sin in order to obtain it? Or have you come to rely on something that if you don't get it, you start to sin because you don't have it? Guys, that's an idol. That's a real simple way to know if you're putting something before God. You know, for some of you, it can be simple as, another way to ask yourself is, what irritates me? Like, what provokes me, right? See, so I start to ask myself that question. It's like, well, it's easy. It's when I'm hungry and it's when I'm tired, right? So I start to see how important food is to me. I mean, maybe you could look at me and, and gather that. But you start to see, I start to see that, like, that's important to me. My rest is important to me, you know? Because I find myself irritable and easily provoked when I'm in that state. Or maybe it's somebody disrespects you, right? Hey, you better respect me. Somebody disrespects you, and it's like they just pushed your button. They may not even know that they disrespected you. But here you go. You don't feel valued. You don't feel wanted. Whatever those things are, guys, those are your idols. And when you start to realize what those idols are, you need to take those things before God and say, I need you to get these things out of my life. And he says, okay, you asked for it. I don't know if God sounds like that, but... He says, so now I'm going to start to put things in your life that are difficult so I can give you opportunities to work on it. So we find ourselves in conflict with people, right? Again, some of it's brought about by others. Some of it's brought about by us. But when we find ourselves in that conflict, we need to start to ask ourselves before God, what's my responsibility in this? What do you want me to do about this, God? What's my contribution to this? Maybe you're only 2% responsible for it, but you need to be 100% responsible for that 2% that you're contributing to that problem. Because God tells us in his word, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 5, hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye. In other words, pay attention to your contribution, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. You want to have perspective on how to be in good relationship with other people and help them out? You want to have clarity on the conflict that's going around you? Yeah, I do. Okay, well, pay attention to your contribution first, and then I'll give you clarity to, to help get those things worked out. But see, some of you come into conflict, and your response is, I'm out of here. I'm not going to deal with this. I'm going to run away from it, right? Or I'm going to shift the blame on someone else. I'm going to attack them. It's their fault. It's not my fault. And you're going to argue until you win, even though you know inside you're wrong. But that's just how you deal with it. But guys, conflict is a blessing in disguise because it gives us an opportunity, as David was praying, to work on the wickedness in our heart. Because conflict stirs up anxiety within us. It's a trial, just like David was praying. And God says, aha, do you, do you see what you're doing right now? I want you to work on that. That's why this, 
this conflict is kind of your own fault, but God works all things for good, doesn't he? And he's going to use that to sanctify you, to make you a sanctified object set apart for one purpose, which is to follow Christ. I hope my toothbrush is a sanctified object. You know what I'm saying? I don't want that to be clean and grout and then go into my mouth. But sometimes, guys, that's how we live our lives. We go live off in the world and do all this dirty, disgusting stuff, and then God calls us to come be sanctified, and it's like, I'm not ready for that, God. It's like, I know, you, I know you're not. And now you're in some trouble because I want you to get a handle on this. And when you get this right, now you're going to be sanctified for my purpose. Our sin cannot outdo God's sanctification if we turn to him and ask him for forgiveness. That's good news, right? Okay, so the last thing we're going to kind of look at here is how do we seek God? I'm skipping a point here. I'm sorry on the, on the notes here. How do we seek God and fear God above all else? Okay, how do we do that? What does that look like? Because in Proverbs 3, 7, it says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. So I want you to go ahead and turn over to Mark 10 now. Mark chapter 10, verse 17. And we're going to look at this guy. He doesn't really have a title, but the Bible calls him, gives him the title of the rich young ruler. He's in three out of the four Gospels. In one of the Gospels, we find out he's rich. In another one, we find out he's young. In another one, we find out he's a ruler, right? So we call him the rich young ruler. So over there in Mark chapter 10, verse 17, it says, Now he, that's Jesus, was going out on the road. One came running, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus looked at him, loved him, and said to him, One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come, take up your cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. The rich young ruler comes up and asks Jesus a question, and it's a great question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? I mean, there's, there's not a whole lot of questions that, that come up better than that one. Now, First, Jesus kind of says, hey, you know, let's, let's have our focus on God, right? But then he asks, then he answers his question in a way that I think is, I mean, all of Jesus' answers are pretty cool, but this is really cool. He starts to lift, list the commandments. And really, if you look at the commandments, you can, can, you can divide them into two categories. One is, what's your relationship with God? Right, like, don't take the Lord's name in vain, you know. Um, and then you have a category that's, what's your relationship like with others, other people, right? Look at these, look at his answers. Which category does this fall in? It falls in the category of what's your relationship like with others, right? 
Now, he did that on purpose. Jesus knew his problem was his money, right? You know, even before the guy asked the question, he knew. So it's like, well, why are you asking him about other people? Because the rich young ruler's problem was his relationship with God. And Jesus wanted him to understand, I know what your problem is, right? And I'm going to demonstrate that by, by drawing you out and asking you, are you good to other people? Because I know in your mind, that's what you think it's, it's all about. First and foremost, I treat other people well, I'll be right. So he asked him, hey, have you done this? And I imagine the rich young ruler is probably thinking, I am so glad you asked me that one, Right? It's like maybe if Jesus came up to you and said, did you read your Bible yesterday? And you're thinking, this is the one time I read it all year. (laughs) Yes, I did. Right? So Jesus asks him these questions, and he understands that he's good in the sense of how he treats other people. And the rich young ruler knows that Jesus is aware of this because he just answered the question in the affirmative. Have you done this? Yep. And he says, now let me bring the hammer down. (laughs) Your problem is your money. Go sell it. I mean, that must have been such a curveball, right? What? What? Didn't you see over here I'm treating other people okay? And Jesus says, yeah, I'm not interested in that. Now, if how how he treated other people was, was his problem, Jesus would be interested in that. But he says, your money is your problem. That's your idol. Now, why do you think the rich young ruler wanted to keep his money? What do you think he got out of it? I mean, he said he owned a lot of stuff. Maybe he thought, I feel important when I have money. Or maybe he thought, I have security when I have money, right? I mean, if we have money, we can pay our bills, right? We don't have to worry about that. Maybe if we have money saved up for retirement, it's like, well, I don't have to worry about that. I'm secure there. But sometimes money can be our security blanket, And we want that to help us to feel secure instead of relying on God for that, okay? Like if money is your idol, then the thing that you fear the most is losing your money. Or the thing that bothers you the most is when maybe your spouse or your kids spend more money than you think that they should, and you go off the handle. Guys, if you're in that place, money is your idol. Because you start to, it doesn't mean that you're not concerned about it, but you start to sin. You start to treat other people poorly because it's starting to go away. And you're that concerned about it, right? So we see that this was his idol, right? The rich young ruler did not fear God more than he feared losing his money. Whatever you fear the most, that's your God. Whatever you're most afraid of, and that thing comes before God, that's your idol. If our fear of God is always bigger than anything else, What is it that we have to be afraid of? Right? When it says, fear the Lord and turn away from evil there in that proverb, what it's saying to us is if you have a fear greater than anything else, you will turn from evil because that evil doesn't appeal to you. That evil isn't something that you get sucked into to try to obtain because you have me, you have God. Right? Fearing God doesn't mean to be afraid of him. It means to reverence him to have a respect for him, to know that he's bigger than anything else that's going to come your way. That's why God brought this out to this man, right? So we need to ask ourselves, what do we fear the most? Is it losing our job? I mean, that's a big deal. Or is it losing our health? I mean, that's a big deal. But if God's bigger than that, guys, it'll concern us, don't get me wrong. 
But it's not going to provoke all, all this anxiety to where we kind of go off the deep end because God's bigger than that, right? And then lastly, in, in Proverbs 3.8, it ends with saying, it will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Isn't that, isn't that a refreshing verse? Isn't it good to be so close to God that you don't have this sin in your life, that you can look at him and face him without any shame, without any hindrance? Isn't that refreshing? Isn't it miserable when you know that you're being disobedient to God because you're running from him? That's miserable. God doesn't want that for us, guys. He wants to bring refreshment to us. He wants to bring healing to us. He wants to bring strength to us. And guys, it's really your choice. It's really my choice to say whether I'm going to be a part of what God wants to do in my life or whether I'm going to say no to that and just be left to my own devices, be left to my own consequences. So let's ask God those difficult questions. I know it's hard, but go to him and say, God, whatever it is that you need from me, whatever it is that you want me to do, I want to go on that adventure with you. And if there's something that you need to work out in me first, then God, I'm all yours, right? Or some of you may know what that next step is, but you're afraid to take it. Guys, God is right there with you. Do it according to his strength. You don't have to do it according to your own. Isn't it a blessing that we have the God of the universe to go to, to give us direction on any path that we might take? You know, a couple years ago, we were on this awesome trip on the, the East Coast, and one of the places that we went to was Gettysburg. There's monuments, like, all over the place. There's, like, 1,000, 2,000 monuments. And we were able to, like, have a... Uh, like a park guide, instead of like getting on the bus, um, we were actually able to have the park guide get in the truck with us and drive us around and show us everything. We learned so much. You know, we would have learned some things on ourselves, by ourselves, but we learned that like the way that the statue was pointing was significant, right? That there's certain statues that are dedicated to states, certain statues that are dedicated to different like, I don't it's been a while, but like battalions or different different uh, militia or different um, state soldiers, like brigades and stuff. It was just fascinating, you know. And they would say, they would put this marker here because this was one end of their line, and they would put the other marker here, and this was so much significance, so much I would have missed out on if I didn't ask that person to come with us. God, you know, forgive us for the times where we don't come to you and ask for that guidance. Because it brings him joy to give it to us. It really does. So let's stand and let's pray together as we get ready to just kind of commune with the Lord, to really kind of open ourselves up, our hearts to him, and just pray and ask him for what he would have for us. And so, Lord, we thank you for your word that you've given us tonight. Lord, I pray that um, it's been a blessing, Lord, that it's been an encouragement. You know, and for some, it's been a sobering reminder of what you want to do in their lives. But Lord, that's okay. Because we trust you. And Lord, if we have a hard time trusting you, could you put us in a place where we're so dependent upon you that we would just trust you fully? That we can say to you, God, I can give you all of my heart. 
There is nothing in my understanding that I even want to lean upon because, Lord, I so desire direction in my life. Lord, point out within us those things that are wicked. Lord, encourage us with the things that we're doing well, Father. Help us to seek godly counsel from people where we need to have that encouragement or we need that direction, Lord. We thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much that tonight we can enter into communion, Lord, that you want to commune with us, Lord, that you want to be in relationship with us, where we can go and remember the work that you did on the cross, Lord, the body that was broken for our sin, the blood that was poured out to cover and remove our sin because of your great mercy. God, I pray tonight that as we as a body do that, that we can just be refreshed and be reminded of your love for us. And Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.